So I'm going to... Yeah, it's red. Oh, we're good. Good morning, Gretna. So we'll do the congregational prayer, and here are the um, prayer requests that came in prior to the service. Paula Deerduff wanted to let you know that her son-in-law, Chip, is doing much better. His new medication is working well. Yeah, and also uh, Betty Deerduff is walking on her own with no pain, so that's a great thing too. Holly Morris asked us to continue to remember Daryl Brewster, who is having cancer treatments, and Mike Brewster, who's got some upcoming treatment uh, for some uh, upcoming surgery, sorry. And also our troops, not to forget our troops. Patty Elliott is asking for prayer for Bill Elliott. He's having back surgery on July 15th. And Susan Bechtel's sister-in-law, Lisa Valengo, Valenga, is uh, starting chemo soon. And her cousin, Craig Kaiser, uh, his family, apparently Craig passed away this past week. So if we could keep their family in mind. And then Nancy Beatty asked for continued prayers for Kylie, the nine-year-old niece of Crystal Davidson, who is uh, going to be starting radiation and chemo treatments. So if we could remember all those. If I could get everyone to bow their heads with me. Father, you have heard the needs of this body. We ask your will in each request. We thank you for your continued guidance over this body of believers. And we ask you to forgive us when we try to manage your plans. Help us to recognize when we need to just stop and listen for your direction. Your ways are perfect. We know that. Thank you for your gentle grace and your constant reminder. Father, we thank you for today's service, specially set aside to acknowledge the one that you have called. We ask you to watch over this service and we ask you to watch over each person participating. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I'd like to take a minute to read a letter, Rob. Greetings, brethren, in the name of Jesus. Sometime early in my ministry at Gretna Brethren Church, former Gretna Pastor, um, former Gretna Pastor Leroy Solomon, told me that I was the right person in the right place at the right time. That meant a lot to a young brethren pastor coming from an experienced brethren pastor. Lee seemed to know what he was talking about then, and Susan and I and the kids remained with you for 15 years. On this special day for Pastor Rob Starnes, might I suggest to you that Rob and Heather are the right people in the right place at the right time. You are a blessing that the Lord has chosen and we thank him for sending the Stards family to you at this point in the life of Gretna Brethren Church. Pastor Rob, preach the word. As Timothy wrote, proclaim the message with intensity. Keep your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive and do a thorough job as God's servant. Rob, it's been a blessing and a joy to get to know you. Enjoy this day. God bless to all of you. In Jesus' love, Lynn Mercer. And now I have this distinct honor of introducing our guest speaker for today. He shared with me that he tends to go by the Grand Poobah. <laughs> and since I have not had a chance to investigate that fully, I gotta take his word. 
Stephen Cole is a native of Texas, and he has spent time in New Mexico, Georgia, and most recently in Northern California, where he was the pastor of Northgate Community Brethren Church in Manteca. As the executive director of our denomination for the Brethren Church, Stephen works to communicate the vision and diverse story of our denomination. He is a 2007 graduate of Bethel Seminary in the Master's of Art degree in Transformational Leadership, and he just received his doctorate of ministry at um, Ashland Theological Seminary. His wife, Beth, and his wife, or excuse me, his wife, Beth, and he have been married for, um, since 2001, and they are the parents of Maggie and Patrick, and Maggie is with us today as well. And Stephen is an avid golfer and rarely turns down an invitation. So, Dr. Cole. Well, good morning. Uh, I don't go by Dr. Cole. Um, Dale has told me that I'm not allowed to go by Dr. Cole, uh, that brethren don't do that. We're brothers and sisters. And that's, that's, our, that's our title. So um, nobody calls me that, and mostly because they know that it's probably funnier to call me Dr. Cole than anything else. Grand Poobah is more appropriate. <laughs> Than, than Dr. Cole. I get Pope every now and again if you want to do that. That's, that's also funny. Um, but I'm really excited to be here this morning. This is, is, I've been here a few times. I was here for the 100th anniversary, 125, 125, a few years ago. And uh, it was really a blessing to be a part of that as well. And this is just a great, this is really nostalgic for me because I don't know who the architect was in the Brethren Church, but he got a ton of miles on his drawing because most of our churches are built like this, including the Manteca Church. So it feels like going home and being a part of that. Although in California, you can be a little more like on it, I guess, because the roof there is more like this to look like praying hands, but the, 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 the pillars are the same. It's just... This is a great place, lots of nostalgia here, lots of family, lots of loving each other. You probably, some of you probably drive somebody else crazy, right, in church? Yes, but you're still here worshiping together, so that's fantastic, and so we're really glad. And evidently, Pastor Rob, they love you, or, or you're offering a free lunch. I saw that. So whatever it takes to get them in the door, that's fantastic. So today I get the honor of, of talking about why we're here today, and we're here to be a part of the ordination service for, for Pastor Rob. And uh, I get to preach through some of this idea and what we're talking about here, and we're going to do that in 1 Timothy. So if you'd like to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you're welcome to, to join me there in a few minutes. Um, we'll, we'll get there. So Paul is the person who wrote Timothy, both Timothys. First and second, and the book of Titus, and quite a few other books in the New Testament. Uh, for Paul, these are Paul's men. These are, are his disciples. Those are the ones that are, are following him. He has called them into ministry. Actually, he calls them sons quite often in the books as you read uh, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And Second Timothy is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. And it really, if you go read 2 Timothy from a view of a man who is writing his son, the last letter most likely he wrote him, as Paul knows he's going to die. And he talks about this, this idea of pouring out his life for the sake of Christ and calling his son, calling his, his, his disciple to do the same. 
And so as you read through 2 Timothy, you can see the intimacy that, that Paul is using in writing this letter to him. And so, but for Titus and for 1 Timothy, these two letters are very similar because Paul is writing to these men as they are called to go into places and spread the gospel, create churches, build churches, plant churches, as we say in modern language. And so he sends first, he first he sends Titus. Titus goes to the, to the island of Crete. Crete is a little island in the Mediterranean Sea. And he's going there to finish up what has started. And he's there to, to go from place to place, from these little church to little church, these little communities, and calling out leaders to lead the church. And for Titus, it's, there's a lot of work going on. Uh, if you read the scriptures and you read some of the, the stuff that, that they say in, in commentaries about Crete, it's, Crete is not uh, your, your, the cool place to be. Um, in the Greek language, actually, the word to lie actually has the word Crete in it. Like, it's, it's not a pleasant place to be from. So it's, you know, not from Ohio, clearly. That's the pleasant place to be from. Ohio. You're not from Ohio, though. Oh, you just lived in Minnesota for a while. Yeah, traitor. <laughs> Timothy has another calling. He's in Ephesus. He has all the things going on in this city, large, large city, metropolitan city. They had the worship of Artemis there. The, the goddess is being worshipped there. Uh, it's a religious center. It's a, a place where cults and superstitions are being, being kind of passed around in this community. There's, there's silver image, images being sold for profit. There's magic all being practiced. And there's a synagogue there. So there's this hub of... Worship in all different kinds of worship. And Timothy is called to Ephesus to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to appoint leaders and to plant churches as he goes through. And so Paul writes these letters to these men about the task that they have. And so you can see in Titus and in 1 Timothy some similarities. And this idea about elders and deacons, those, there's... There's both lists in both places, slightly different. And so these leaders are called to carry out what has been started by Paul as he was on his missionary journeys. And so then he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 1 through 7, he talks about what a leader looks like. So as you're going around from place to place, this is what you're looking for when you're looking for a leader. So let's read 1 through 7 from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may, be, may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the traps of the devil." And the devil's trap. So Paul starts with this, this saying that it's a no, this is a noble, noble task. 
This is a trustworthy saying. You can take it to the bank. This is a task that is worth following. It is a task worth pursuing. And so then he goes through and he just simply makes a few, a few lists, a few things you should be looking for um, as you're doing this. So first, they should be above reproach. You don't need to be somebody on the street who is shady or, you know, can turn a deal and you not know what just happened. Be above reproach. Be faithful and temperate. Self-controlled. Oh, goodness. Self-control. In a culture where everybody wants to go crazy and cause chaos. Self-control. To be respected. To be hospitable. Not to be a drunkard. To be gentle and peaceful. Not to give in to greed. And to lead his family well. And then my favorite part, to be a mature believer. Because this calling that you're going into is a calling that is to be a teacher. And he, and he lists this idea of teaching. And really this word teaching is, is, is the same word we get the word for Didache, which is this little book that was written in just the first century that really was the teaching of the disciples, that really was the distillation of a lot of things we see in the Gospels and the letters that we see that Paul writes. It's to teach, to disciple to train someone else to do what you know how to do, how to follow Christ. And to have a good reputation with outsiders. That it isn't just this insular, inward-looking, only to care about what's happening here, but also to know what's going on in the community, to be known in the community, to be respected in the community. And so he tells us then, that they should be able to teach, that he should hold firmly to this trustworthy message that has been taught to them so that they can then in turn teach the same thing to others. So then they also can raise up leaders who then in turn can raise up leaders. Do you see where this is going? Right? You sit here today because there's this continuous stream of leaders being raised up in the church. And all the way back to when this letter is written, And then he turns it a little bit, and he, he, if your Bible has parentheses, this parenthetical thought happening in the middle of this. Mine starts in verse 5. It says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So this understanding that teaching, this idea of discipleship, starts at home. It's the work we do with our own family. The disciples that we are making with our children and with our spouse and with ourselves, how are we leading our own family? If we can't lead our families at home, how can we lead the family of God? So it's our job to teach our children and to, to lead with our spouse in the life of our own family, in the discipleship and the, the training up of following Jesus in our own family. And, I mean, let's just call it, if you have a child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, you know they're watching, right? They, they know how you talk when the guy cuts you off in the road. They, when you get irritated with the lady who's texting in front of you in the car, driving 25 when it's a 60-mile-an-hour zone. That you rolled down the window and yelled at her to stop texting. My children weren't in the car when that happened. But it happened. I, I will confess that to you. I probably would not have yelled if they were in the car. 
I mean, we teach them about this idea of what's it mean to, to read Scripture and to pray and to, and to what, what does God mean to in our lives and, and to tithe and to care about our money and to, and to all, all of it. Like your whole life is being poured out into your children. When our children were younger, when Maggie was little, and she's here so I can tell a story about her. That's the rule, I think. Um, is like we had, we had glass jars on top of, of the pantry. And one said, you know, spend, one said keep, and one said give, right? And so when she would get a buck, we would have to go make change so she could give the money in the right bucket so she could learn how to... Now, now technology has kicked in and now she's a teenager and she needs to be able to spend her money where she wants. Now she's got a, a little card, but it's a little card that we bought and we can, it's got the same categories in it. And I can turn it off, spend and, and, and to give and to, and to save and, and to be able to do that and, and turn it off and she can't spend anymore, which is the, my favorite button. <laughs> I've never done that to her, so she, she's not... And she's just embarrassed that I brought it up. <laughs> but this is the work that we are all called to. But then he moves it on to the, to the, the family of the church, the, the household of faith. That you, you can't be a young believer and be filled in this role, be fill this role, and you don't want to do that because of, of the... Uh, the things that could be, the, the arrogance and all the, the words that he uses to describe what would, what would happen to that person, to be trapped in the devil's trap. All that we learn and all that we do at home applies here. And how we lead this family, how this family is led matters. How you resolve conflict here matters. How you deal with finances here matters. How you deal with discipling children here matters. All of those things that matter there now matter here. And this is the maturity that this role brings. So if you jump down to verse 14 and 15, there's a reason why Paul writes this to these two men, and especially to Timothy here in this letter, in verse 14 and 15, it says, it says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So Paul doesn't always know if he's going to return, and he doesn't return to every place that he goes and plants churches, and he recognizes that this may never get back there. So as you're doing this, you, you may be called back, and he does. He, he calls Timothy back to him, and he leaves, and he comes. So the people you leave, the people that you raise up, these people need to, this is the thing they continue to carry on from person to person to person. This is discipleship. So this is our task. We are all called to live this way. This isn't just instructions to leaders, although it is instructions to leaders. My favorite part about both of these places in Titus and Timothy is that they don't actually list out, except for teaching, the actual duties of the job. It's all character. 
trustworthy, honorable, good with money, not drunk, patient, kind, full of joy. Paul does mention teaching, but this list in Timothy and this list in Titus, they're much more like his list of the fruits of the Spirit than it is a list of the jobs of the church and the tasks of the church. So in Ephesians 5, we see love and joy, peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. There's that word again, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit, and it almost meshes straight into what Paul is saying. When you're looking for a leader, when you're going to find someone who can lead this body, the fruit of their Spirit matters more than their capacity to get the job done. But they need to be able to teach and pass on. And we are all called to the same thing. You, you can't walk away from this list and go, well, I'm not the pastor. I could probably not really care about those things. I should just go to town and be shady and do some deals that nobody would really want me to do in the name of Jesus. Right? No. This is for all of us. All of us to be to do this. And finally, I want to say that this is also a corporate calling. Paul is describing this as the body of Christ, this, this group of people knit together. This isn't you pluck some random person out of nowhere and they come fluttering in and they're a part of this family. This is calling out of the family. This is a corporate calling, an understanding of what God is doing in our midst. This isn't from isolation into another place of isolation. This is being called out of our family. Now, in the modern society of training pastors and all of that, we do have seminaries and we send people there and there's a lot of people on this row who used to work there. I just got a degree from there. I know, I'm sorry, John, I apologize. You're, I know your wife's from here, so... I know, it's, I know, I know. It's a deep dive. I know that that, that family's, like three-quarters of you are related to them, I'm sure. <laughs> but this is a calling from within and out. We may send someone to be trained. We may go f help them learn the skills that they need. But these qualities, these understandings of, of, of what it means to be a leader need to be there ever before they ever hit a seminary, ever before they hit a classroom to read a book. I have, a, I have a friend who is a, a Mennonite pastor, and, and he told me this story of how he was called to ministry in the Mennonite church. And one day, he was a young, a young man in his, in his late 20s, and one day the pastor was retiring, and he was done. So in their tradition, the tradition was to just go to the church and go, okay, you, you, and you, you are now the candidates for pastor. And so all the, you preach once, do your second, and your third... And then when they're all done preaching, the church picks. And he said, on the third Sunday, I got picked. And I was called to ministry. Boom. That's amazing, right? Right. 
You please, start pointing, right? But this is the idea of calling out these leaders from the family. We can, we can train them any modern way we want to. But this is a community doing this calling. And this is what we're doing with Pastor Rob today. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. This is a noble task. And it is worth paying attention to today. So, we are going to, I'm going to pray for us real quick. And then I believe John is going to uh, come and lead us in the rest of our ordination service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your scriptures that we can read together. We thank you for our brother Paul, who, who clearly wrote to his sons, to these men he called, and he trained them well. Father, let us be trained well today in what it means to be a leader who follows after you, who has a, has a heart after Jesus. And today, as we, we call forth Pastor Rob today, God, I pray your blessing over him, his wife, his family, and this congregation um, to reach the people of this community uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, our first task this morning is to uh, review the uh, process that brought us to this day. So um, there are several steps in that. I will uh, remind you or inform you for the first time if you're not aware of what those were. First, we have a call from the local church. The Gretna Brethren Church of Bell Fountain, Ohio, and of the North Central Region of Brethren Churches having confidence in the Christian conviction and experience, the sincerity of purpose, the integrity of character, and the gifts of mind and spirit of Rob Starnes, has, according to the custom and polity of the Brethren Church, called this candidate to the Christian ministry. The next step then is uh, after a process of meeting with and working with the uh, regional leadership team is for, that, uh, for, for the region to recommend his uh, examination for ordination by the National Board of Oversight. So on February 4, this form was sent to the National Board of Oversight. This is to certify that Robert S. Starnes of the Gretna Brethren Church located in Bell Fountain has been licensed and supervised by the regional leadership team. The local church has requested and the regional leadership team recommends that the National Board of Oversight examine this candidate for ordination. That happened in April and then in May, uh, Rob and uh, Heather uh, received word that they had indeed been approved for ordination in the Brethren Church with no conditions. So that's the process that brings us to this day, and uh, we'll begin uh, this uh, formal ordination procedure uh, with, again, uh, another word from Paul. And uh, since you've done 1 Timothy, 
we'll do 2 Timothy chapter 4, and then uh, later on, we might even get to Titus. Thank you for uh, setting that all up. So this is Timothy 4, 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Uh, the rebuke thing you might not like, but he's got to do it because the Bible commands him to. You got that? I'm just setting that up. <laughs> Correct. Oh, you already preached. I should stop. Okay. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. While John and I shuffle all of our papers here, just a word. Um, I was teaching my last uh, course on Brethren Doctrine at the seminary and uh, happened to have a student in there by the name of Rob Starnes. Um, now, I had heard that uh, Gretna had uh, called him and uh, uh, was that he was taking his uh, place here. And because I have a little bit of family through uh, my marriage to Marsha McPherson um, in this congregation, I decided I'd better get to know this guy a little bit. So uh, after spending one week with him in that course, I really came to the same conclusion that Tracy did as well, that you are the right person, right place, right time. So uh, I think uh, very clearly what we are doing here today is uh, uh, timing of the Lord for himself Rob, and for the congregation. Before I call you up, Rob, I want to read uh, um, a passage that uh, John already indicated, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. These are Paul's instructions to uh, his young understudy, uh, Titus, uh, like Timothy. Paul invested a lot of time, energy, and uh, devotion to him. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, 
Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul says to, to Titus, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Rob, I invite you to come forward here, and I'll situate you just to my right-hand side here as I prepare to ask you the questions concerning eldership. I would invite also all elders who are gathered here to please stand while I am giving this charge. Now that this congregation, which is present, may also understand your mind and heart concerning your calling as an elder in the Brethren Church, and in order that you pledge, your pledge may all the more move you to do your duty, please answer plainly the following questions which we, in the name of God and of this church, require of you. First, do you reaffirm your faith in and commitment to the whole gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord? If so, please answer, I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God? Do you accept the New Testament as the all-sufficient rule in all matters of faith and practice in the church and in your daily life? If so, I do so believe. I do so believe. Have you been induced to enter the office of the Christian ministry as far as you know your own heart, solely from love of God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his Son? If so, I have. I have. And do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever hardship or opposition may come your way on that account? If so, I do so promise. I do so promise. Do you accept and adopt the order and practice of the Brethren Church, particularly her acceptance of the fundamental and cardinal principles of the New Testament? her practices of the ordinances, and her stress upon the practice of the Christian virtues and graces of life, each and all set forth in the New Testament? That's a big question. And your answer is, I do so accept and adopt. I do so accept and adopt. And do you truly believe that you are called according to the will of God to the office of an elder in the Brethren Church? And do you willingly accept the obligations of this office? being fully determined by the grace of God to make full proof of your ministry as the Lord commanded. If so, I do truly believe and accept. I do truly believe and accept. I'll invite uh, Reggie to come forward, and he will ask questions of Heather. Well, I have the honors of uh, having Heather to come, if you'll come and stand beside your wonderful, significant other. And uh, we get old with these glasses here, so let me take these off here. I say, as you get older, you can't see, so. <laughs> uh, 
Um, do you fully agree to your spouse uh, to enter into a Christian ministry? If, do, if you do, say, I do. Do you uh, now also reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ, and do you uh, recognize the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as the Word of God? If so, say, I do. I do. <laughs> will, you, uh, will you sustain your beloved uh, companion in Christian ministry, uh, uniting with him in a ministry of prayer and devotion, encouraging him by your love and prayers, sharing with him in this ministry now entrusted to him so far as God gives you grace and strength. Uh, if you do, say, I will. I will. Thank you. Uh, spouse, God, bring me. So I think that's it on that part. So <laughs> they never just to read over that. Well, I would invite you, Rob and Heather, to uh, please take a position at the kneeling bench. Yes, yeah, so, all uh, brethren elders can join us. I think, uh, I think that was it. you have it. Well, I think that's it. These, these uh, statements then uh, for you, Rob, and then we'll have prayer for both uh, you and for Heather. Dear brother, in response to the call of God expressed through the church, you have willingly given yourself to the work of the ministry. You've come now to the formal setting apart of yourself to this holy work. May a deep sense of responsibility possess your whole being as you give your life to God. And as he gives it back to you, consecrated to do his will, may there never come a moment when you will not be ready to witness of him in your life. May the joy of service be yours, and may the compensations of duty well done be your portion. I'll go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, just put our hands upon uh, both of them. I'm going to have to. Uh, yes. No worries. I want to make sure that at least I get something on you. Get the right question here. Yes, there we go. Holy and righteous Father, accept the offering of the life of Rob, your servant, our fellow elder. Consecrate this elder to your service in accord with your will. May Rob's ministry be fruitful in the salvation of souls, in the building up and edifying of the church, and in the care of those who are committed to his charge. Grant that the Holy Spirit may be his teacher, guide, and constant companion. May he make full proof of his ministry as a faithful steward of his entrustment. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Okay. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Holy Father, as we brought man and woman together at the beginning, so you also brought Rob and Heather together. Bless Heather and give her the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit's guidance as she walks to, uh, as she works to sustain her spouse and share in the ministry, now entrusted to Rob in the name of our Lord. Amen.
The Lord our God empower you through the person of the Holy Spirit for the office and work of the ministry now committed unto you by the authority of the church through the laying on of our hands and now by the authority vested in us as elders of the church of the living God we solemnly and in fear and in reverence set you apart to the office of an elder in the brethren church and this we do in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can stand up. Rob S. Starnes, take authority in the Brethren Church to perform the duties and offices as an elder, preach the word, administer the ordinances of the Brethren Church in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Grab that certificate, Reggie. Yeah. I was going to say, I guess there's something in between. Yeah. He is going to be give a benediction. Right. But there, I think, yeah, someone's going to do some announcements. I think there's announcements and then... Congratulations. Uh, we are so blessed here. Won't you take your hymnals um, and turn to hymn number 462? Let us stand. Let us stand and sing, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
to have Pastor Rob Starnes bring the benediction to this morning. Uh, but for just a moment, I want to let you know that we wish to invite every single one of you uh, to join us in the fellowship hall for a luncheon reception. And when you think of reception, you think of a glorious celebration at maybe a wedding or, or an anniversary, something that is significant and monumental. And so with this reception, we ask that you proceed down to the fellowship hall and take a seat so that once all of our honored guests and the family of Rob, our seat are there, then we will ask a uh, blessing over the meal and partake um, with our special guests leading the way. So, um, Pastor Rob, our benediction. Is this thing, I, there you go. I mean, we all know I can be loud enough without it, right? We all know. All right. So if you'll read this with me. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. It's one of my favorite blessings in all of Scripture. It is my prayer today and our humble honor to serve here for all that's been said about me, it is our honor to be here with you. And, and this is our family, and we thank you. And please do not run out the door. Please have a free lunch with us, right? Some people have worked hard for that. So I'm going to close this in prayer, and then off we go, all right? Father God, we are thankful, thankful for the salvation of your Son. We are thankful for the gift of eternal mercy and grace that only comes through him. We are blessed to be in this place at this time where we are able to come together to celebrate the wonderful things you are doing through this little body of people you call your church at Gretna. I am thankful for those who have come here today to celebrate your work with us. And Lord, I, I am humbly nervous over this charge, but I know that you are with me and that you are with all of us as we proceed into this life, as we tell the world of our gracious and incredible Savior. Lord, thank you for the many blessings you shower upon us each and every day, but most especially that of your Son. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Let's go eat. <laughs>